Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy, you beautiful man. And our tactics guy and my dungeon master, Nathan <laughs> A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> did, you, did that come on the fly? There was a pause. Is, or is, was that a prepared one? It was on the fly. Okay, nice. So I thought of it literally seconds before. Smooth. You get, you get, in, you get in fresher with those. You get in a bit more, a bit more into your zone with coming up on do, the fly. Do you know ones. what it is, Nathan? Do you know what it is? Go on. It's the extra inch end of season party. And I've, got, <laughs> I've got a pint of cider in my hand. I don't normally drink cider. This is a six percenter. I've had two sips. It's gone to my head already. And uh, and, and yeah, I'm being reckless. <laughs> Windy's off his leash. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, shout out first to Peter with an I, who left us this iTunes review. Brilliant podcast to get me to stop talking about it all day. My wife even got me the Patreon subscription. Oh yes, loved it. Shout out to Peter's wife also. Mm-hmm. Um, massive congratulations to Eric Blumquist, who won the Extra Inch X Subs Fantasy Premier League with 2,475 points. Very, very respectable score, which puts him around 16k in the overall rankings, which is which is pretty good going. There was a really um, nice tussle at the top between Eric and Reese until the final day. Uh, so, that, so there was some sort of there was some competition there. It was on the line, and uh, and Eric came out on top. We're going to be talking to him on the podcast. I haven't decided yet whether we'll have him on the main pass on the main podcast or on a um, X Hubs only pod. What does he want? Yeah. <laughs> That's do you want a, a one-on-one a interview call. or do you want to join us for a random episode? Yeah, yeah. And we're also going to get him um, some merch from the Extra Inch store as well to say congratulations. Um, God, there's so much going on at Spurs. Uh, and also on our Patreon, we had the most sign-ups I think we've ever had in a day yesterday, which is mad because the season's ending. Yeah. Um, so it's like kind of kind of a strange side to sign up. But we've got loads of we... stuff coming, Windy. We've got loads of well, stuff. Well, this is it. This is it. It's it's Nathan's linked videos. 
Yeah. People want the linked video content. I, th- I think uh, also people will be just waiting for the season to be over. I think I think that, that that's the season yeah. review in a nutshell is the most sign-ups the day after the season ends. People, <laughs> people are looking forward already. And uh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're getting, getting started on that. So I've, I've, we just did um, Joachim Anderson. I, I got Chris Summersdale to help me out with that one because centre-back is still a little bit of an iffy area for me and I needed his help. Um, I'm always... I always don't know how to like tease this without giving too much away there were some mm-hmm. positives and there were some negatives i guess <laughs> you'll have to watch the video i don't know like is that a one? <laughs> uh has he gone up or down in your estimation he has gone down in my estimations um, okay okay <laughs> come on nathan it's... i was expecting so i was hoping for some good news here i was uh, meant to say good no, things it's interesting, but the link seems really strong with him, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It seems like a, a pretty concrete one. Um, and I guess you can argue, look, he's he might not be perfect, but he's had a season in the Premier League, so mm-hmm. he's acclimatised at least and then might get better in his second season and with better players around him. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Watch this space with Joachim Anderson, I guess. Uh, and Bardi, you've, um, you've been busy also. Yeah, I have been busy. We've started doing um, the Italian job on Football Manager, which is a lot of fun. Um, got you involved in the last one. Uh, that was so much, it was so nice, Wendy. I don't get to see you in person anymore, so it was pretty cool hanging out with you virtually and talking, talking football and um, quizzing you about your um, Monday Monday night dinners as well. And no, no real man, no real person actually eats a, a lamb chop. A, a, what did you? A lamb chop on a Monday? Come on, it's a lamb steak. A lamb, a lamb steak, steak on a Monday. Evening. Evening, come on! You I just had a, it. Yeah, but you just had a weekend of excesses. I know you, so you should at least have a salad on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe you've revealed my dinner. That was behind the paywall for a reason, Barney. Sorry, <laughs> no, it's fine. It was really, it was really fun. It was so fun. You've got Chris Brunt in your team, and um, we were all getting behind Chris Brunt in your first preseason friendly, and uh, I got a little overexcited. I, didn't he score a goal? And then it was ruled off by. Video assistant referee. No, he was heavily involved in. in he got the an goal. assist. We used him as like a human battering ram. We just, we just loaded him up on Tom Huddleston's shoulders and just launched him at a corner. And it, <laughs> yeah, it got it got um, flagged for foul play. It was so funny. It was so funny. I was I was loving it. It was really good. And and I have been falling head over heels for Graham Potter. I I watched the webinar he did with Coach's Voice which was just brilliant, really brilliant stuff. He did like an hour-long interview with Dave Jones from Sky and I released the podcast sort of summarising my thoughts and giving some commentary on on how that went. Um, yeah, he's he's a great man, really, really taken by Graham Potter. Don't know if he's still in the, in the, in the frame for the Spurs job. Um, it's all a little bit unclear at the moment, but he's definitely my first choice for sure. Um, Rob Davis says... Transfer reveal party. Harry Kane was happy to learn the gender of his unborn child by kicking a football with some balloons filled with blue and pink powder. Why not decide his future this way too? <laughs> two, bal- two balloons, one filled with oil and the blood of migrant workers, the other filled with half-dead cockerels. A transfer reveal party. Great TV for a start. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, the thing is, he's he's so precise with his shooting that, I mean, he would just shoot for the, the one he wants, right? Mm-hmm. One of the growing trends in gender reveal parties is to cause mass destruction with very poor use of explosives, and I think that this would be an an opportune moment to cause some real structural damage to nearby houses and industry with a with a heavy duty explosion. I thought you were going to say cause some damage to Harry Kane, like, like yeah, fire rockets at his ankles or something. 
and then just claim on the insurance. Yeah, nice, nice. That that would be better for everyone, except Kane. Agree the transfer with, with Manchester City and then stab him in the ankle. Yeah, sounds good to me. There was a, a small part of me that after he scored his goal to go clear as top goal scorer and he fell over, there was a small part that, that no. kind of <laughs> <kinda laughs> hoped his ankle had gone. And um, yeah, he'd be out for six months and then he'd come back, which meant he was still with us in September, October, and then he would just play for us next season. <laughs> And then he'd miss so, the Euros for England as well, which would be always excellent, like bringing down Euros, England's opportunity at Euros, at the Euros. Unbelievable. Mm. You're outnumbered on here, buddy. You can't say that kind of thing. I'm always outnumbered on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, let's, let's get the football out of the way and then we'll delve into Kane because there's so much to say about the situation. It's just absolutely insane. Um, I don't really want to talk too much about the Villa game because it wasn't a lot of fun, but mm. I guess we do Villa and Leicester together um it's sort of the the worst of ryan mason's tenure and the best of ryan mason's tenure this week not that leicester was the best game we've had under him but um the sort of the approaches i suppose is what i mean by that um nathan simply put is it simply a case of we struggle when we're pressed uh, we struggle when we're pressed and we're playing a midfield two of Hoybier and Harry Winks. And I know you like Harry Winks and I do have some fondness for Harry Winks as well. But um, what could be, for me, a positive personal relationship with Harry Winks has soured over the last two years as he's continued to play games yeah. for his club when he just shouldn't. And I, I do think he's a good footballer. I do think he's a Premier League level footballer, but just not... Uh, you know, not a top six Premier League footballer, and that's just mm-hmm. the the matter of it. And it's it's really frustrating that he. What I mean, I'm glad that we didn't record like an emergency podcast after the Villa game. I'm glad we didn't record an emergency podcast after the Kane news broke. Um, and then we waited for the week to come around, and there's some more ups and downs, and some time to sort of take some information in. Um, yeah, and then and then of course, if we're gonna put the two together, it was it was extremely frustrating prior to the Leicester game to be going into that with the same midfield. Um, and then a couple of minutes before kickoff, it's revealed that Andomble and Lacelso are ruled out with injury. And then there's mm-hmm. like, there's kind of a suggestion sort of leaking out, but also matches with, with Mason's lack of comments on Ndombele over the last few weeks where he's refused to answer. And then there's been a sort of, oh, and, and by the way, he's injured where it's like, it's very suspicious. It's very, um, I, I guess there's there's a, a, a suggestion that he's like the suggestion is Ndombele is just claiming he's injured so he doesn't have to bother playing because he can't be bothered to play under a new manager or you know why play under an interim manager no um, I'm not sure about that I saw someone on I saw some idiot on Twitter say that they cried off and I was just like come on that's really that that language is opinion that's pure that's pure opinion that's that's someone applying an agenda to sure. uh, to, to the situation it could be that both the Celso and Ndombele were legitimately in as well as Sissoko, yeah, and Aurier was legitimately ill. It's just it's just frustrating because we haven't seen Ndombele get the minutes that we wanted him to see. And especially after the Villa game, we knew that we <laughs> we needed to not play Hoybier and Wings. Um, it ended up working out because Leicester play a 37 game week season every year, and we keep getting them on the last day of the season. It's very convenient, and they opted not to press Harry Winks um, for large portions of the game. Um, and in which circumstances he looks all right, and and we were and and late on they just completely fell off because they were mm-hmm. you know they're on the beach. Um, the, the, the okay, if Ndombele has been crying off or whatever, um, stupid terminology, obviously, um, then that's very frustrating. It's very unprofessional. Um, it really undermines my sort of 
um, opinion of him as a player. But I think, as you're saying, equally likely is that he just happens to have picked up an injury in an unfortunate time. Or I think quite similarly likely is that he's been playing through injury under Mourinho, mm-hmm. who's, you know, been making him play, you know, through pain as he has with other players. And then when Mourinho is not there to sort of enforce playing through injury, he gets to, you know, he gets to report it. He gets to be honest about it. So, um I don't know. There's 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 a slight frustration there that I'm putting onto Ndombele that might not be justified, but I'm also prepared to um, you know consider that that might not be fair. So I don't know. It's just weird. It's just frustrating, and I think that I've been I've also been overly angry at Mason for playing his mate when um, yeah. <clears throat> when he might not have a better option. Yeah, I think there's a, there's an excuse this time around, but not so much against not so much against Villa where the Celso was on the bench. That was sure. annoying. Yeah. That was really annoying. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was just ridiculous. There was no one to progress the ball from midfield, essentially. And it was really obvious. Um, although, having said that, we actually played okay for the first 15 minutes against Villa, I thought. I thought we were quite zippy and I was I was actually feeling okay about the match. And then suddenly it just all started going horribly, horribly wrong with, yep. you know, Lloris being pretty reckless and the midfield being a nightmare. Um, but if we if we look at Mason's short tenure as a whole in the league, six matches, four wins, two defeats... 14 goals for seven goals against it's not too bad is it you know for, for his first attempt at managing a team he's kind of he kind of steadied the ship his win ratio is second to none <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, I was feeling really sour after the villa game um before the leicester game um and obviously ending on a win and finishing above arsenal is um is a big boost there but i also think just the season being over like i had, I had uh, many sort of frustrations and qualms mm-hmm. and everything else going on but the minute the season is over um it's kind of just suddenly all in the past and it's all about looking forwards and this summer and the new manager and everything else yeah, strong agree for me there. I think um, there was a huge sense of relief at the end of the Leicester game that it's just over. It's done. Let's um, never talk about it again. It just feels so. It feels so rudderless to end the season in the way we have. And you know, we 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 desperately wanted Mourinho out. We were happy he he went. I wish he'd gone earlier. But at the same time, you know, there was never going to be like someone to come in immediately because there's just no one available who, who could have come in immediately, except perhaps Eddie Howe, <laughs> who, who I don't think many people would have wanted. Um, so it, it has just sort of felt a bit, ugh, let's just get it over and done with and get someone appointed. Um, Bardi, any thoughts on Villa or Leicester that you kind of want to... Put out there. I mean, on Villa there was a few, there was a few things. I thought Watkins was great. It was it was a nice opportunity well. to get have, to have a look at someone and and the energy on him, but not just the energy, the kind of focus and the drive. And I thought um, I thought there's there's a contrast to be made between how Watkins scored that goal against us and how Vardy won two penalties off us. Watkins mm-hmm. was very keen and just wanted to get in on goal and take the shot, whereas Vardy on both opportunities was just looking for the contact to get there to secure penalty. And it's, you know, it's very, very different strikers there. Uh, there's a lot to be impressed about with Villa. Grealish obviously was good. Martinez was good. But yeah, like Nathan, I was a pretty, I was pretty down after that match. But um, the Leicester game cheered me right up. I I don't think I've enjoyed a game that much this season. It was um, a lot of fun. And um, denying Leicester Champions League cheered me up no end. And finishing above Arsenal cheered me up no end. Um, That's the one. Yeah, That's the one, I, isn't I, it? I mean, well, if even it like I, I put this on Twitter early that the the way Spurs have moved forward now that even in our worst season and this is pretty even though we got more points this season than last season but we would classify this as a pretty bad year we're still able to finish seventh we're still able to qualify for Europe we're still able to finish above Arsenal which is a which is a measure of the the stature of our club and how it has grown and I know um, 
I think Nathan's mentioned this a few times that Tottenham will be all right if we don't get Champions League. And I think we're starting to feel that perhaps we will be all right even if we don't get Champions League. We are still big and a big enough draw, and we still are a big enough club to be able to pull that in. Obviously, we don't have we don't have the trophies to 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 kind of win those arguments. But yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling okay. Uh, on Ryan Mason, everything was very kind of caretaker managery. It was just go out and. <laughs> yep. I thought I thought the Leicester game played into our hands. I thought the moment Fofana got injured, I was praying that they were going to bring on Wes Morgan, but they brought on Mendy and moving Ndidi out of midfield killed them. And I think ultimately yeah. that's what ended up winning us the game because Ndidi is a spectacular midfielder. I, I really, really he like is. him. But Tielemans, I think, is good, but I think he benefits from playing alongside Ndidi. And the moment, the moment he became a centre-back, their midfield opened up and it became caretakery. And it was a big open match. And I think Rodgers needs to be questioned on this, how he was unable to to shut that down. He should have shut that game down and seen it out. Yeah, I completely agree. I think... Um... There's some mitigation for Leicester and, and Rodgers in that they have, they have suffered terribly with injuries across the season and, and no different in this game with Fafana going off. But it was it was a strange decision to move their most important player back to centre-back in a game where, you know, he'd literally just seen a few days before Spurs struggle with an aggressive pressing midfield in um, McGinn and, and Nakamba. Mm. Um, to then sort of move Ndidi back seemed... So peculiar to me. I, I thought it was a big mistake from Rogers. Um, and and I like the point you make about Tiedemans. It kind of feels like Ndidi applies the squeeze, and Tiedemans then picks up the pieces and, yeah. and makes things happen. And that is a really nicely balanced midfield combination. Uh, and it just doesn't have the same balance with with uh, Mendy there rather than Ndidi. Uh, and and they definitely suffered for it. And we we grew into the game. And we've been very critical of Mason's substitutions, but he got them absolutely spot on in this game. I thought. Bale came on at just the right time. Um, he played in a really short, sharp burst and and left it all out there. He he really made it count. He was spectacular in his time on the pitch and rightly uh, voted man of the match by the Spurs fans on the official poll on Twitter. Um, yeah, so so you know, hats off to Mason for ending on a positive. He whether he'll leave Spurs or not now, who knows? I mean, perhaps he'll want to go and take on. A management job elsewhere or perhaps he'll carry on with his role of overseeing um, the development of our young players but he's he's not disgraced himself things haven't been perfect but he's, he's certainly not let himself down and I think he's done a really great job in front of the media despite some difficult questions and um, and let's come on to those because we haven't spoken since Kane's big interview and actually it's not just the interview is it it's the it's the leak the day before or a couple of days before I think it's the leak. I think it's the leak more than the interview. I think even Neville himself has come out and said that the interview has been taken out of context. It's it's pretty much the leak. I think. Go on then, Barty. How how are you feeling about things? It's a it's 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 a complicated uh, it's a complicated problem here because I look at Harry Kane and he's 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 a guy that has the, has an opportunity to achieve something at Tottenham which will last generations and it's up to him to decide what's important for him as a fan I'm obviously my view is clouded that I think he should stay and because if Harry Kane wants to leave for a new challenge for me reads as Harry Kane wants to leave for an easier challenge he wants to go somewhere where he can finally sit back at the end of his career and say I achieved this I did this and I did that but the kind of teams that he's been quoted as joining they don't need Harry Kane. Manchester City are perfectly capable of winning the Champions League this year, the league, without him. And I'm not sure what he adds there. But if he's 
willing to stay at Tottenham and commit to this challenge, which is the greatest challenge in football, then he walks away from this a god and his achievements at Tottenham will last generations to come. There will be grandchildren being told about Harry Kane and spoken Tottenham Tottenham fans will speak of Harry Kane like they do of uh, Blanche Frauer and Nicholson and it's up to him to decide what he wants he's not gonna it's not like he's he's a poor person and he needs to move to make the money he's going to retire a fabulously wealthy man and rightfully so but I think it's up to him to decide what's important for him right now and if it is trophies then then he has to leave Tottenham because it's not going to happen at Spurs for many reasons and that's it and if he does leave I, I wish him all the best but He'll be he'll be taking the easy route to glory, in my in my opinion. Some really interesting points, and I, I think I I think I'm with you on the on the the challenge front. Um, so I, so I guess I think Kane's probably been quite heavily influenced this season. You know, firstly Mourinho telling him I can make you a star, Harry. Basically, mm. you know, putting his arm around him and saying I I can put you I can put you on the screen. I can I can make you the main man. Stick with me, boy. And then you know. Probably saying, "Here's what you need to do to to be amongst the elite." And then Gareth Bale comes back into the squad, who did leave Tottenham to win trophies, who did then go and win lots of trophies. I sus- I suspect they've been talking throughout the season about Bale's career trajectory. And um, you know, we're a very forgiving fan base. We don't look at Gareth Bale now and think, "What a snake for leaving us." We look at Gareth Bale and think, "Isn't it wonderful he's come back? We've had a lovely." season of of having Gareth Bale it's been pure nostalgia we've welcomed him back with open arms we've loved every goal he scored we've kind of forgotten that period where things were a little bit awkward um when he was when he was flirting with Madrid so Kane's probably thinking I can go away I can go and do a Bale I can go away for a couple of seasons win some trophies and then in my career at Spurs and and you know repair things with the fan base and still be still be the legend Bardi speaks of at the end of it all but I do think for me this is really mucky I think it's a. Uh, I think the timing is really poor. I think doing it before the season had ended was quite disrespectful, to be honest. Um, doing it before the fans were back in the stadium felt very off. You know, we've been we've suffered as a as a group of fans this year. We really have suffered, and I think Kane, as someone who calls himself a Spurs fan and has been around for a long time, I think he should and does appreciate that. So to to leak the information of the interview before fans were back in the stadium and then for the interview to be released at a similar time I didn't think was right I think he could have waited a couple of weeks and what that tells me is it is part one of of a many part Harry Kane exit strategy do you think that might have been so that he could wave the fans goodbye in the stadium I don't, I don't think you need to do that I think if Kane I think if Kane waves the fans goodbye the fans realize what's going sure, on yeah regardless of of the story being leaked I think you know, it was an emotional moment when Kane did a lap at the pitch, and certainly in his head, he's thinking this is a goodbye. This is this is me saying goodbye to the fans. <laughs> Whether Daniel Levy has the same ideas, yeah. I don't know. And and this is where we are now, isn't it? This is that sort of awkward grey area now where Kane is tied down for another three years. Daniel Levy has no reason to sell him other than the gentleman's agreement, and who knows what the gentleman's agreement was? I suspect it will be yes, Harry, I will let you go. If someone makes an offer that I deem acceptable, yeah. Um, Nathan, how are you feeling? What was your kind of emotional reaction? Uh, frustrated at Kane a little bit, but um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty zen on this whole thing. I think I uh, I'm not concerned either way. I don't think it's likely that he'll go because I don't think the market is there, and I think that if he does go because of the um, the lack of options that we will make just a silly amount of money <laughs> off it. Um, the ho- and then hopefully, obviously, we don't mess that up. But um, 
yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 at peace. I'm at peace. I think I think for me, you know, there's 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 a part of you know Achilles in the Iliad. He he has this he has this option of going to fight for war, but he knows that he's going to die there. But by dying, he's going to make his name last through generations. He's going to create something that now two three thousand years later we're still talking about Achilles and his failed attempt to to he died at this war man spoiler alert sorry if you're gonna watch the film or read the book no. but he doesn't he doesn't make it through this because because he just he could have stayed at home and just lived a normal life but Harry Kane by choosing to go to war with Tottenham and dying at Tottenham makes him a a hero and it makes it that's the reason why we will remember his name it's because he stayed at Tottenham and he did the impossible to get this club a cup, to get this club a, a league, uh, a league trophy. Can he do it? Probably not. He'd probably end up dying. But instead of his Achilles going, it would be his ankles. But that's that's what I want to see from Kane. If he is that much one of our own, commit to the club, man. Just give the guy the money that he wants and needs and let him stay and fight for it. If not, then let's sell him next week. Let's get it done and dusted and move on with our lives. I can't have this. We can't. We can't have this as a club looming around all summer. And if he if he says the words, "Oh, I'm going to wait till after the Euros," then just then just dock him a week's wages or something. <laughs> <laughs> I I I just don't think you get it that easy, Bardi. I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first I just, I think I I love everything you're saying. It's very romantic, but it's another reminder that that footballers don't see things in the sort of romantic way that fans see things. It's it's black and white. But, but he's meant to be one of our own. That's that's this that's his whole thing. But, that Harry but Kane we've is one decided of us. that. We've decided that. He True. hasn't decided that. He's a snake. Kane, um, Kane, <laughs> Kane has always kept his powder dry on issues. Yeah. He's a very media trained footballer, and it's to be honest, I love Harry Kane dearly. I really do for all the wonderful memories. I really, really, genuinely mean that. My favourite ever Spurs player, but. I have been a little bit disappointed at times that he hasn't been a bit more vocal on some issues, particularly issues of racism where he's captaining his country. And I kind of wish he'd been a bit more of a figurehead and, and not leave it to black players to do the talking. Um, he's been pretty quiet and he keeps he keeps his thoughts to himself other than the sort of very media trained statements. And this is another example where, you know, he's given this interview where he's he's towed, he's barely towed the line. You know, he's he's. He's he's managed to stay on the right side of respectability just to the point where there are comparisons between what Pogba did and what Kane did, between what Rose did and what Kane did, and it comes out favourably for Kane. Now I'm not hundred percent sure that's right, to be honest. I think there I think Kane does deserve some criticism, as I've already mentioned, particularly for the timing. But he he, he manage he does this every time. He's he's very cautious, is what I'm getting at. He's very cautious of the way he chooses his words. Something I wanted to um to, to get your thoughts on. Um I listen to Wheeler Dealer Radio, which I think is my favourite Spurs podcast. I, I think those guys are great. And um and, and Greg and Ben were talking about how as a club Internally, the club have elevated Kane to a point where he's basically a board member. You know, he's so important to the club. He's played in two cup finals when he's not been fit. And we've kept Jose Mourinho as a manager longer than we needed to do so because he was popular with Harry Kane, probably and other key players, but Harry Kane. And and for him to sort of almost throw that back in the club's face is a lot. You know, we've 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 deferred to him on issues it's felt like over a number of years and uh yeah do you have do you have any thoughts on that um i don't know that's that's a lot uh 
<laughs> but I, yeah, but I think that like we have to have done things that way. I think that's just who he is and what he means to us as a player, which is why this is so this is so hard. I don't know. I don't think he. I don't think he really. Uh, he owes us everything short of absolute lifetime dedication. Yeah, he owes us a lot but it's still too much to demand of him that he never even considers playing with Man City for a year to win the league title after he's failed with us. I think, again, it's the same stuff we talked about again and again and again with Harry Kane. Um, is like, I bet he'd love to stay at Spurs and he also wants to do other things and these are mm-hmm. two conf- existing conflicting interests. Yeah. It's not that yeah. he like... So he obviously, obviously his his... His first dream, his first idea is stay at Spurs for his whole life, win a whole bunch of trophies with Spurs. But when those two things that he wants are beginning to conflict and now he's hitting the... the Well, <laughs> he reckons he still has a decade of <laughs> elite-level football <laughs> left in him. Um, but as he's hitting what is, in reality, um, the end of his peak and the beginning of his decline, um, he's having to sort of choose one. And maybe and maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's wrong. Maybe Spurs are about to go on an absolute tear and he's just making a, a poor guess at things based on more sort of recent things. But... um he he's in a position where he's done the staying at Spurs and and playing his heart mm. out for Spurs thing, and he hasn't done the go away and do trophies things. And and in his mind, he's trying his best to sort of have it both ways, right? To do the being loyal and being dedicated and being talisman at Spurs, and then just before his career is, you know, just before it's too late, um, mm-hmm. run away for loads of money and um and titles and honors. So I I have some sympathy for him, but I have some frustrations about and. There was always going to be frustrations about the way he does it and the things he said, but um, no, I, I I have a lot of sympathy for him. Um, I kind of think he has to apply this kind of pressure. This is, I think, unfortunately, that's the way football need. works now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way things work at Spurs is you have to you have to have a a, a campaign essentially to leave the club because Levy's no mug. He's got him tied down to a contract. He can he can force him to stay. Um, so so Kane has to now start this campaign we've seen part one and maybe part two of the campaign which are you know leak the stories to the press Mm -hmm. do the do the interview with gary neville on a golf course what's number three is it uh lingering hints post game for england is it speculation in the press uh dropped by his agent we shall see we'll uh, it'll ramp up there'll be another layer to this there'll be another level to this my god he threw ryan mason under the bus though didn't he (laughs) Like, you know, I'm going to do this now and you're going to have to face the questions about it, best mate. Sorry, mate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Nathan, you wanted to talk about the survey that was on Reddit. Yeah, so so uh, BFM211, you know, a perfectly poetic Reddit username, has done a survey. I just think it's a good for a quick fire round of questions. So I'll ask you mm. and then I just want... Uh, so question one, now that Kane has made clear his desire to leave, what would be better for the next season? And the options here are um, Kane stays at Spurs or we sell him for $150 million that we reinvest in the club. So Windy? For next season, I think the best thing would be for him to stay, and then I'd sell him the next the season after. Okay, Bardi? Uh, Kane stays. Kane stays. Okay, uh, do you think Kane has a right to be frustrated and want to leave? Yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah, I think so. Okay, do you think Kane deserves to go and win trophies at a top club? I mean, this sort of comes back down to Bardi's point, doesn't it? Um, he, he's a good enough footballer to go to a football for a, a club that wins trophies, and yeah, sure, but... Um, Deserves is a sort of difficult word. Um, yes, why not? 
No, he doesn't deserve to go and win trophies at a, at a top football club. Win trophies at Tottenham. No one deserves anything. You don't get stuff because you, you feel like you deserve. You got you got to earn it. And he's had opportunities at Spurs, and he hasn't earned those trophies. Do you agree with the uh, sentiment that Spurs have let Kane down? Um, I think that's quite emotive. I'd say no. I feel. I think. I think Daniel Levy has made a series of quite, in hindsight, catastrophic mistakes. <laughs> Um, the main one being appointing Jose and Mourinho. Uh, the, uh, like I get the the lack of investment, but I also see a big shiny stadium that has been built over time. So I struggle with that argument, to be honest. Uh, I don't think there's been. I don't think he's been let down. I think there's been mistakes. Um, I feel no Spurs haven't let Kane down. Spurs have let Spurs down. It's not. It's not letting down one individual. Yeah, this is a really interesting one for me um, because the, there's this um, idea going around. A, a very reasonable sort of talking point is that like Spurs are like a, a good team in a good position, and they've got this like once in a lifetime wonder striker come through the academy and the absolutely incredible player. And and the idea here is that like going back to the previous question, Kane is a player who deserves to win trophies, right? Kane is this trophy winning level player. Um, and therefore Spurs should do everything they can to take advantage of the fact they have Kane and, and, and over-invest, essentially. And I've sort of given away where I'm going with it, but it's like, we still are who we are. We can't just like, hmm. <laughs> because we have Kane, completely throw away the you know the plan that Enoch have long-term mm-hmm. for the club right, and, right. and completely change the strategy. Um, so we have to like... I don't know. We we can't. We were never just going to drop that and go. Oh, okay. We've got Harry Kane. We better buy you know Paolo Dybala and and whatever else. Um, I don't know. I just I just think that like yes, Kane is better than everyone else at the club. But like that's not really a failure on our part. Like every time we finish higher than sixth, we've overperformed financially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I just think <laughs> I'm having a hard time sort of marrying this together. But it's like Kane Kane's the best player at our club but he'd also be the best player at many many other clubs like everywhere but six clubs maybe in the world and that's not really our fault I, th- I think what I think what Nathan's trying to say is that what we could have done is is we, we could have stopped and gone, hang on, we've got this amazing striker. Let's buy players that fit his style rather than perhaps going, let's buy players that Whoa. suit a manager style or a scout we, style. We could have just done a better job of things, right? We could have just mm-hmm. been better at recruitment. We could have yeah. just been better at staffing, etc. Um, we're still one of the best clubs as they go at that. and. <laughs> But we could have been better too. Mm, um, yeah. I don't know. I find it hard to to to, to grapple with this question. Let's 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 move on. Okay. So the next question is the reverse. Do you agree with the sentiment that Kane has let Spurs down, i.e., through not performing in finals? No, that's bullshit. Yeah, that's no, that's bullshit. This is a. I think this is a Reddit narrative at the moment that like if you get the sort of handful of finals and semi-finals he scored like no goals or whatever um but like two of those he's returned immediately too early from an ankle injury one of those was back early in his career on Pochettino's first season um I don't know I don't know uh, maybe you could look at his semi-finals but like I've got no like issues over his ability to perform well in big games I think that is a quite a silly idea the idea that Kane crumbles in finals just doesn't match with what we see 
throughout the course of a season. Um, if we fail to get him the ball in those games, there's not exactly. a lot more we can do, right? So exactly that, exactly that. Yeah. Um, I, the thing is, it's a pushback, right? It's a pushback at Kane saying the players, you know, the club have fallen short in finals. I want to go to a club who win finals, and so the fans fairly reasonably say, "Well, why don't you just score in those games?" <laughs> um, but you know, he can't do it all on his own. Why? Why don't you just pick up the ball halfway, dribble yeah. around four players, and put one in the top corner, Harry? If you really want a trophy that much, that's what Messi does. Um, which statement is most accurate with uh, regarding what Kane owes Spurs? Option one. Uh, Kane owes Spurs nothing. He already gave enough to the club. Or option two, Kane owes Spurs loyalty after they believed in him, nurtured his career, took him to three finals and gave him a huge contract. <laughs> God, God, that's so provocative. I mean, I, I, yeah, for me, I don't think I'm going to have to go n- not sure because I don't think any of them can be really applied. Like Kane doesn't. Yeah, I don't. Kane owes Spurs nothing. We owe, Spurs, we owe Kane nothing. It's a, it's a question of where he, it's a, literally a decision of where he wants to see his career go now. Yeah, there's a there's a fine balance mm. there. Um, I don't think I could say either of those definitely. Can you understand why Kane has gone public with his desire to leave? So the, the suggested options here, you don't have to tick a box here. Um, yeah, so the options are, yes, in his position, it's the only way to control his career. Yes, I just wish the timing was different. Or no, he's being selfish and entitled. Uh, can, can I say two of those? Yes. No, he's being selfish and entitled. But also, yes, it's the it's how he gets out of spurs. Yeah. How do you like balance those two positions, Chris? How do you? How I mean, I balance them by him not being selfish and entitled, but he balances them by by doing what he has to do to okay. get out of Spurs. That's the thing. It's I, I I get why he's doing it. I don't like it. I don't like that you have to do that. I don't like the way he's he's. I wish he'd waited. Ultimately, if hypothetically Kane took this further and refused to train or play, uh, or let's just deal with that hypothetical, <laughs> how would you feel about that? And and what do you think the club should do in that situation? Uh, fine him constantly while he's doing it. It would be completely out of order, and and that would be um, an insult to us, to be honest, as yeah. fans. Yeah, I mean. He... He has to. He has to stay at the club. Um, I think. I think the question before you skipped me, but I just. I just want to put oh, on sorry. this that no, it's fine. It just there are ways for Kane to leave the club without going public. By going public, he's trying to keep control of the narrative. He could. This could be, all be done behind closed doors. It, it tell Daniel Levy. Levy goes to Man City. Man City make an offer and then say why it's happened. He's trying to put it out there just to test the water to say, look, I need to go because I want this. And if hypothetically. If no one comes in with the money and he refuses to train and play, then he goes and sits with Danny Rose in the under 23 as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so for you, Barley, then, if Kane refused to train and play, what would you do about his, the, the transfer valuation that we're looking for? I mean, I don't think he would, but I, th- I think you got to hold. you got to hold firm on this. Okay. Um, yeah, market value. Well, Skip has your opinion changed because we kind of did that. Will Kane still be a Spurs legend if he leaves this summer? Um, so yes. I guess there's a yes, no, or it depends how things go option. Yeah, I mean, he'll definitely be he'll be a Spurs legend unless he goes to Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, he, he leaves a legend, but he doesn't leave a god. What if he goes to Chelsea? Uh, then he will still be counted as a, a legend because of the amount of goals he scored and that just immediately puts you on that kind of legendary status. What it will hurt is, is the impression and the feelings we have for him. We won't love him anymore. It doesn't stop him from, from being a legend, I guess. 
Yeah. Would you support Kane's career if he leaves? No. <laughs> no. I hope he does his both ankles. <laughs> every every time. The he's second played. he's gone, until he comes back, uh, he's dead to me. Yeah, I, yes. dis- I dislike every player and every manager that leaves Tottenham. Once they're gone, they're, they're gone. Uh, who do you ultimately blame for this situation? So the suggested options are Levy slash Enoch, the players, um, Kane, or um, no one. I blame I blame Levy for appointing Jose Mourinho. Sweet. Um, I think there should be something of all of the above. I think everybody takes responsibility of this. We we win as a team, we lose as a team, and there's um, there's been mistakes by by lots of different people that have that put us in a situation where we're not winning games and winning the cups that came once. Do you think Kane will leave this summer? I actually do. Um, wow. I th- I think he would probably do. I think if we appoint a manager of, of a big enough gravitas, I think he might stay. <laughs> that's that's I believe the mistake that we made last time around. <laughs> this um, is it. This yeah. is it. We cannot pander to Harry Kane anymore. He's he's essentially. We've got another year of him at best, I think. I, th- I think that uh, one of my problems about selling Kane is I'm not sure how wise, how good we are at spending the money, which is why I'm a bit like let keep let's keep him because I don't think we can sign a, a good, I don't think we know what a good player looks like, so that's what worries me. Do you think Kane will come back to Spurs one day if he leaves? Yes. Yeah, if he leaves, yeah. Maybe not as a player, but but probably in some other capacity. And is that something that you would like to see? Yes. Okay. Uh, depends where he goes. <laughs> okay, that ends the survey. And Nathan, just to be clear, you d- you don't think he's going to go? Uh, I'm definitely not ruling it out. Like it's it's clearly an option. It's clearly possible. But like, okay. He wants to leave to an English club, so we're down to three sides immediately. Mm-hmm. I think it's unlikely that we sell to Chelsea. I'd be. Is it three or is it four? Talk me through the four. City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool. Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool can afford him. No I don't way. think Liverpool are going to drop over 100 million players on him. And also their, their recruitment is too smart, right? They're, they're really smart. They're not going to buy a 28-year-old with busted ankles for triple-figure millions. That's just not who they are. I think the same similarly is true of City. Everyone talks about the immense amount of money that City spends, and obviously that's true. But they're not like they're not doing the Galacticos thing, right? They're not, they're not really doing what Chelsea have historically done, although maybe Chelsea have wised up a little now too. Um, they're, you know, they're not buying Premier League players. Uh, occasionally, they are, but their their recruitment is pretty smart. It's smart recruitment and an enormous amount of backing. Um, so again, I don't think that they buy a 28 year old with busted ankles for triple figure millions either. Um, again, I, d- I don't see us selling to, to Chelsea. If we do sell to Chelsea, then um, I think they would be hunted down on the streets by Spurs fans. Um, and so that really just leaves just Man United. Um, and yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they would do it. But I think that because it's now just one and one, and we don't need a buyer, um, it's like there's not going to be a bidding war. But it's we just have control over the situation. It's you know here's the, here's the price. It's a hundred and eighty million pounds. Um, I don't know. I, I yeah, but I, I think simply because I only really see him possibly going to Man United and basically nowhere else. That just means the chances are lower because there's one club who can change their mind or pull out or get frustrated with dealing with Levy or um, decide that there's a better option or whatever. So I think that is I think that is correct um, in terms of like an objective look at where he might end up. However, I think what you're not factoring in there is I don't think Kane does this unless he's had some positive noises. I, I think there have already been some nods 
in his direction before he kicked this process off. I don't think he risks doing it, risks unsettling himself and his negotiations with the club unless he's had some eyelashes batted his way by probably two or three clubs, if I'm honest. Okay. But let's talk, I mean, let's talk about Kane leaving because it is interesting. Uh, One of the things that people have absolutely bombarded us with is potential swap deals. And, you know, rightly so, because the value is is so huge. It's very hard for a club just to throw down, you know, over 150 million quid. So people are going, okay, well, what can work player-wise? What what possibilities are there? So um, Anthony Massaro says, if Chelsea offered you 100 million and Timo Werner for Kane, would you take Hmm. it? Eugene Mackey says, are there any swap deals you'd entertain in a football manager? Uh, Dreamworld getting the port Cancelo both plus cash would be nice. And Adrian J says, provided Kane really is going and there's nothing to do about it, would you swap Kane for Tammy Abraham and a truckload of cash? Uh, basically, no is the short answer across the board. There, Werner plus 100 million is is like a good thing to take in, but it means him going to Chelsea. So, so no. Same with, similar That's with it, Tammy. Isn't it? Um, basically, the problem is that like. Uh, players who are already at City, Chelsea, Real Madrid, wherever, are are overvalued from an initial point, and so you're losing what you gain by trading players for those clubs. I just don't think that's what, the way it's going to go. I think it has to be hard cash, and then we reinvest that elsewhere. How about you, Bardi? Um, I think we 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 haven't spoke about PSG's the possible pull there, and depending on what happens with Mbappe this summer there. But if he goes to PSG, I'd, I'd take Icardi maybe in a in a swap deal, um, and then maybe I don't know Paredes or someone like that. Um, for for Chelsea, the the Werner and um, Tammy Abraham one, the Timmy Abraham one that was quoted, that that sounds <laughs> quite interesting. I mean, I like Tammy Abraham. I think he'd be pretty mm. good. And Werner, even though he's um, he can't finish, I think he remains a very dangerous striker who perhaps can play wide of Tammy Abraham or something. But uh, I mean, I wouldn't be against the the cash plus plus players deal. Or we just go to um, PSG and say, give us Verratti and um, you can have Kane. I'll do a like for like swap there. I think we, if we were to do this kind of swap deal, we would need to really push our luck, to be honest. I, I think swap deals generally don't happen and it's it's very speculative to imagine that they would do. Um, but, you know, if we were going to deal with Chelsea... I'd want I'd want big money and I'd want Abraham because I think Abraham's a really good player and I think he's also underrated by by the market currently. But I'd also want someone like Hudson Odoi, mm. who I think is is a really really talented young player who could explode. I'd want someone like that who's got really high potential and perhaps isn't at their peak value yet that we where we could where we could sort of lean on them and hope that they become worth a lot more money in the long term. I mean, the last time um, Pep bought a big striker for a lot of money, there was there was exchange there, and it worked out pretty well for the for the club that lost the big striker. You know, the, Ibrahimovic went to Barca, Etu went the other way, and Etu did did oh, yeah. did yeah. big big things at Inter under Jose. That's a good shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah good shout. Um, Nathan, you've started putting together some replacement possibilities. Do you want to talk us through them? Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've already made changes to this because um, okay. I'm getting carried away. I don't know the <laughs> as sad as it would be to lose Kane, the the sort of almost football manager <laughs> kind of playing around with huge sums game is quite fun. 
Um, so um, <laughs> my number one. So if Kane goes, we need a new centre forward. My number one pick is Haaland, which is not going to happen, obviously. But <laughs> there was a report going around that we inquired about him, so I just thought it would be funny, <laughs> basically. Um, and then I've gone for Odson Edward at, at Celtic. Mm, he's very good. Um, I've named Patson Dacker and uh, Ivan Tony and Andre Silva and Ollie Watkins down the list, um, all in the sort of 20 to kind of 50 million pound range. Watkins probably a little more, actually, and he is the last on the list for his pricing, really. Watkins uh, is a really good player, but he's not a young man now. He's he's twenty five. Is he twenty six? Is he twenty five? Twenty five. Yeah, Silver, Tony, and Watkins are all twenty five, and that is the up end of my okay. my age bracket. Really, I thought Tony might have been a smidge younger. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're both. I like Tony a lot. I like Watkins a lot. Don't know much about Silver. Um, I think throwing down fifty million for Watkins at this point would be a mistake. I really like him. I wish we'd got him in the summer, to be honest. Um, mm hmm. I feel like with Watkins, you'd need Watkins and Tony to try and make up for, for Kane's goals. And one of them would work and one probably wouldn't. You sure. just kind of need to cover your bases a bit. Um, I really like Edward. I really, really do like him. I think he, he could be a star. Uh, he's a bit younger. He's a bit cheaper. He's a bit more of a wild card because he's he's only played in most recently in Scotland. Yeah. So there's like this transition factor could he cope with the premier league i think he's very good i don't know much about daka tell me tell me about daka uh he runs in behind and scores goals and and um salzburg play a highly transitional game so there's space for him to run into and they turn the ball over and um i don't know i guess you know he's um he's another red ball type striker he's a, mm-hmm. a team of Werner type uh, part of me thinks if we're going down that route a striker that runs in behind and scores goals would we not just convert son to being a striker in kane's absence Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a, a good answer to that. But I think I think no. either way we'd need someone because sure. Vinicius is not staying in, in Kane's go. We need mm-hmm. a striker, right? Anything more to say on um, on Kane's transfer issue immediately? I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, I, I'm keen to tackle this one because it's been it's been sat bubbling away in our running order for many many weeks, and it's about Kane buying into Mourinho. <laughs> So we had a couple of questions on this. We had a question from KV Duckett, who who said this. How do you all answer the critique that Harry Kane, a generational talent with absolutely unquestioned work ethic, still bought into Jose after the past 18 months? I have no dog in the fight. I, on balance, also thought it was time for Jose to go. But every week I had two random dudes who didn't want Jose at Tottenham from the beginning complain about him, while reporting was consistent about Spurs' best ever player completely supporting the manager. And Alexander Nathan says, Trusted sources tell us that Kane would have run through a brick wall for Mourinho. They had massive respect for him, liked working with him, was upset, his sacking, etc. and so on. I've no issue with Kane enjoying working with Jose personally or feeling as though Jose got the best out of him. But what do you think it tells us about Kane if he wasn't able to recognise that Jose was horrendous at getting the best out of nearly everyone else? He surely can't have thought the football team was playing... The football, football the team was playing was good. He surely can't have thought the team was going anywhere under Jose. Did he really see his friends and teammates suffering for form, confidence, being alienated, being slammed in public and think this is all okay? And then we have the quote from, from Kane from this interview with Gary Neville, which says, Jose obviously expected us to be men and act like men on the pitch, have leaders on the pitch. To be honest, that's probably where it didn't quite work out with Jose. We didn't quite have enough leadership that we needed at the time. 
I think with Jose, I had a great relationship with him. We got on from minute one. We understood each other. We had a similar mentality in how we saw stuff on the pitch, off the pitch, and mentality in training. So we kind of built up that relationship. I don't think there's any shocks here, if I'm honest. I think it was pretty clear from all or nothing that Kane was very impressed with Mourinho. I think it was then pretty clear throughout the season that Kane was impressed with Mourinho. Personally, I think Kane is a, a brilliant player, a brilliant, uh, a brilliant role model in terms of his the intensity at which he's worked to get where he has. I don't think Harry Kane is very self-aware. I don't think Harry Kane uh, is... <laughs> It sounds so harsh. I don't think he's capable of critical thought. I don't think he is able to reflect on what's just gone and, and see it truly for what it was. Because for Harry Kane, it was fine. You know, he's just got the golden boot. He's just got the highest number of assists in, in the Premier League. So from a Harry Kane perspective, everything's been going well. Honestly, I think if Kane were playing for Man City this season, he'd have scored double the number of goals he did for Spurs. <laughs> Maybe. You know, he's so good. And he just needs to have the ball near to goal more often. And I, I honestly think he was being restricted by Mourinho's tactics rather than Mourinho getting the best out of him. Um, do either of you have any strong thoughts on any of this stuff? I mean, I, I agree that it's not surprising. I'm, I'm more sympathetic to him, to be honest. Um, obviously, I don't like Jose Mourinho and I, I never have. But like where, where I can uh, be sort of overly simplistic uh, and dismissive now because he's gone and be like, Jose Mourinho's tactics is have the best players in the world who never make any mistakes. Um, that's very easy for Kane to be like, oh yeah, that works for me because I'm one of the best players in the world and I never make <laughs> mistakes. And I think that it, that whole situation is just going to exaggerate that difference between him and other players in the squads. And it's just going to highlight that like he's so much better than almost everyone. Okay, there are sort of four or five players who are just on the tier below him. But it's going to highlight the difference between him and and Harry Winks and, and Ben Davies and, and Davis and Sanchez, right? Um, and it's going to grow that frustration. He does, there is a bit in this quote where he says, um, but maybe there were relationships that didn't quite work there. So I don't think, to me, that is him sort of alluding to the fact that he's aware that Jose is obviously a grating figure in what he demands. <laughs> the stuff yeah. about, like, masculinity is frustrating because it's stupid because, you know, obviously women can be leaders and beyond that as well like i don't think leadership was the issue right uh, there's a bunch of national team captains in this discourse has gone around twitter already right there's a whole bunch of, of players who are um captains or previous captains at different clubs who have won things at different clubs hugo Lloris is literally the existing world cup champion um so like <laughs> the word leadership here is being used and it does get used this way quite a bit to not mean leadership at all, right? To not mean having the credentials and experience, but to mean just be much better than you are, right? Be a leader by never making a mistake, by never, you know, shanking a clearance, right? If Eric Dyer shouts and screams and points and has experience being a captain and is a vocal voice in the dressing room, but then he, like, slices the ball off the side of his head and it goes in the back of his net, he's suddenly not a leader. That's what that means. That was, that's what this means to Kane, and this, that's what this means to a lot of fans. It's just nonsense. It just doesn't mean anything at all, right? We get to the point where it's like, okay, we've got Davies and Bale and Kane and Larice and Serge Aurier, right? Who are all these these leaders? And they say, well, what about these other players? And it's like, how many leaders do you need on a pitch 
Like, uh, and at what point are there too many leaders? Right, if everyone's a leader, who's leading? It's it's bollocks. It's just nonsense, and it's the kind of crap that like Mourinho says all the time, and it's obviously nonsense, and it's easy for Kane to buy into because he just wants everyone else on the team to be the same level as he is. But that's not that's not tactics. <laughs> that's not good coaching, and it's not a reasonable expectation. So I, I get his frustration. Um, I do think that this quote, when you read it, comes across. Um, worse than it is sort of spoken and how he means it, and I do think there are suggestions there that he's a little more understanding <clears throat> of his of his of his of his teammates um, than this would suggest. But um, it's annoying. It's annoying for me to read it. It's frustrating. It's really frustrating to read that quote because it's just it's bollocks on multiple levels. Oh hell yeah, Nathan! So like, honestly, like retweet, retweet, retweet. <laughs> I so I agree so hard with what you're saying. It's you're too kind as well. It's it's absolute nonsense. If if I see anyone say that we just need more leaders, I instantly just think less of their football opinion. <laughs> yeah. Gen- but basically, it's it's Graham Sooness stuff. It's it's the stuff we criticize. We all criticize Sooness for multiplied by a million. It's it's nonsense. It means nothing. And the Dyer example is perfect because. Dyer is a leader. You know, Dyer is someone who is incredibly vocal and, and you know, brave in inverted commas. He really is. And he's also really intelligent. But he's been error-strewn all season. And he's had some really bad performances. And he's not been able to fulfil the tactical plan. Uh, and that's not because of a lack of leadership. It's because he's, he's not good at other things. And it just sort of... I, I get it. Because if you say... All we need is leadership. It's like it, it simplifies things and, and it makes it easier to sell the idea. We're so close to achieving this thing. If only we had a bit of extra leadership, it kind of becomes an easier thing for Mourinho to sell to the players and it becomes an easier thing for the players to believe in because they go, oh God, yeah, you're right. You know, we were top of the league earlier in the season. All we need is that extra bit of leadership and we can be top of the league again. And it kind of, it's self-perpetuating in that sense. But because it's bollocks, it all fell away. It all became nothing. We like We weren't falling away because of a lack of leaders we were falling away because we were overperforming our tactical plan that's you know with with the plan we had we were overperforming temporarily and it was obvious from the data we we could see it happening in real time and it's and just to sort of hear Kane parrot what Mourinho said all season is frustrating to me uh made worse by the fact that he referenced men because I think that is just just fuck off you know it's it's so old-fashioned. I don't believe that Kane thinks that. I think if Gary Neville had dug a bit deeper into it, and I wish he had, I don't think Kane actually means what he's saying. I think he's just parroting personally. It just um, it made me it made me fully convinced that um, had Kane not made it as a footballer, he'd be piling into you right now on Twitter. That's that's what I, that's what I took from this, mate. So much, <laughs> yeah, so much. Um, no, it, it's an interesting discussion. It's an interesting discussion because. Kane clearly believes in Mourinho still and believed in him and they did have a good relationship. You know, understandable. Let's leave it there, boys. There's so much more to talk about. We've got, like, honestly, 10, 15 questions that we didn't get around to. So we'll we'll do them. We'll do them soon. Uh, but it's been a pleasure to catch up and we'll be back with lots more content over the summer. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud E Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. 
And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.